A few summers ago, I had a broadcast internship with the United Shore Professional Baseball League. They play at Jimmy John's Field in Utica, and I didn't really know what I was going to do when I got the internship initially, and a lot of what I spent my time doing was I operated the scoreboard, which is pretty cool, and honestly, you have to pay a lot of attention. If you miss a ball or if you miss a strike, you kind of screw everything up for everybody, and the umpire's turning around looking back up at you. How do I know this? Well, maybe it happened to me once or twice. Until I walked past the press box one day, and I saw an intern who was doing color commentary and play-by-play. I didn't know we'd get this opportunity, and I spoke to the guy who was doing play-by-play and in charge of everything, Rich Borland. And from there, the rest was history, and we found ourselves calling games in the booth a couple times a week for the whole summer. Welcome to Motor City Hardball, presented by Blue Wire Hustle. On today's episode, Rich Borland joins the show to talk some Tigers baseball. You know, I never thought I would find myself behind the microphone broadcasting a baseball game, doing color commentary, until I met this guy, Rich Borland. Rich, it's great to have you on the show today. How are you doing, man? What's good? Good, man. It's been a long time. Happy to hear from you and uh, excited that baseball season is uh, on the cusp here. We're uh, getting ready for it. I'm excited. Yeah, it's hard to believe after the shortened season. It It's crazy, too, because it feels like last season, the 2020 season, took forever to get started, which it did. Obviously, there was a, a tease. You had spring training, and I believe the Tigers were the last team to play a spring training game before the whole shutdown. And you basically went from the middle of March uh, up until July is when I believe the season started. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's hard to believe that baseball is back. Uh, there are fans in the stands. You do still have some cutouts, but Hey, fans are returning. Uh, I'm not sure if you saw, but the tigers are allowing a thousand fans in the ballpark to begin the season. And I believe that that number will change. Uh, hopefully. Yep, definitely. It was uh, it was kind of underwhelming just with, you know, obviously you want to be safe and you want everyone to be safe, but I feel like at this point in time, you know, most people are getting vaccinated and obviously still do as best you can to social distance, but we're, I mean, we're we're on the year pretty much anniversary of, of having to be, you know, on lockdown and, and wearing these masks. We were a year out basically from experiencing this entire thing that nobody knew was coming and, uh, and unfortunately, it came right at the beginning, basically, of, of last year's baseball season. Like you said, it seemed like it took forever to start to get going. But then with how many games there were, it kind of went by in the blink of an eye. So you, you didn't really have all that time to get excited and anticipative for, for the baseball season. And all of a sudden, it was it was gone, just like that, it felt like. So combine that with, you know, all the new things that are going on in the organization, it's, it's a really exciting time to, uh, to kind of be a Detroit Tigers fan, knowing that, you know, it, it sort of feels like, you know, obviously with the new manager in town with AJ Hinch, it kind of seems like we're turning the page from, you know, not necessarily being a team that you want to play every day to some of these young guys coming up and they're going to bring a challenge to some of these opposing teams as uh, the season goes along, hopefully. Yes. I, I wanted to start by talking about Hinch. Uh, and I, I wanted to know what were your initial thoughts when you heard the news? Uh, the, the White Sox, they were sort of in the mix too. They went ahead, they signed Tony La Russa, And at that point, 
everybody knew that AJ Hinch was for the Detroit Tigers. Uh, essentially a match made in heaven, but we all know what happened with the Astros and the whole cheating scandal. And for him to essentially turn that page and make his way into the city of Detroit as their new manager. What were your thoughts when you initially heard that news? Yeah, initially I, to be brutally honest with you, I didn't believe what I was hearing just because of kind of how Al Avila has been, you know, as a part of this rebuild, he's kind of been vanilla, but in a way to where you have to be, you know, obviously as a fan, a fanatic of a team, you want your team to be as good as possible all the time. But, you know, if, if you have a good head on your shoulders, you kind of understand that good things take time. And at first I was kind of wanting Avila to make some better moves and some more moves. But, you know, looking back at it now, it's it's kind of the best thing that's uh, the best thing that's happened. Because um, not only, you know, in different ways, the Tigers and A.J. Hinch both need this sort of comeback, if you will, in different ways to where, you know, the Tigers have been, you know, not uh, not your favorite thing to watch over the last couple of years. And then obviously in a whole different light, you know, with the Houston Astros, that's a different uh, bad light, if you will, being put on them. And for both teams, I think it's a good thing. A.J. Hinch, just because of what happened, you know, he came out at one point at one point in time and did say that, you know, at first he wasn't a fan of it and he tried to control something, but when it comes to the whole situation, who knows what to believe, you know, with all that. But you try your best to forget about that, focus on what he can do for this organization. And it was definitely something bold by Avila because he's kind of always gone with the grain instead of against it. And it was just something that I didn't expect him to do because it was controversial, kind of something, in my opinion, that, you know, all of the Detroit teams hadn't done for a long time. But now you see the Tigers hiring A.J. Hinch. You see the Pistons getting rid of Blake Griffin. You see the Lions with everything they're doing. It's just very unexpected. Obviously, the Red Wings are still kind of in their long rebuild as well. But outside of the Red Wings, all three Detroit teams, uh, they're, they're kind of trying to change the agenda, if you will, going from mediocrity and turning into something where we're like, wait, they're really making these kind of moves. They're actually doing these things that we're wishing that they would do. They just haven't had the guts to do it. And hopefully it turns these uh, these dreadful long seasons into ones that we are glued to the screen and glued to the radios for, for years to come. Yeah. Well, what I believed was at first when I heard the, the news of the signing, uh, it was it was a little tough at first because I knew I knew how I felt about the Astros and that whole cheating scandal and basically a whole season was played in which there was no booing of the fans like the Astros played after all this news broke out and they played in front of cardboard cutouts so there were no fans we didn't see that that reaction that was anticipated obviously we didn't know COVID was going to happen uh, and I I had my thoughts on Hinch at that point. But then it's like, okay, this news breaks that he is now going to be your manager, uh, the Detroit Tigers manager. And this has been a team and a city that has been in a rebuilding scenario for as long as I can recall. Countless losing seasons. Uh, and it's, at times, like you said, can be tough to watch. But with Hinch being on board as the new manager... I feel that this was the final puzzle piece that seals the deal for the Tigers. And you can't this this team is not going to win 80 games in Hinch's first season. It's just it's not going to happen. But I think we signed him for we gave him a 3-year contract. So I can see Hinch being 
at the helm for this team in the the very final rebuild stage. And he came out and he said he doesn't like that that term rebuild. He doesn't believe that it it suits uh you know this this team well. And I believe that this signing was a match made in heaven. This was the final puzzle piece, and it it, it didn't require spending you know, $300 million to, to bring Francisco Lindor to the city of Detroit. It wasn't that. At the end of the day, it was a new manager. And with Hinch and everything that he brings to the table in his past experience with well, winning teams and, and basically taking the Astros from nothing to something, he also has a name to prove for himself. Uh, we know what he did. And basically, he can kill two birds with one stone uh, make a name for himself and bring the city of Detroit back on top. Without a doubt. And I mean, his ability to develop young talent, not just the talent aspect of it, but the young minds and just how he's able to develop some of the guys who are at the beginning of their careers with a lot of expectation and he's able to help them fulfill it, you know, with, with the way that certain guys play. And he just seems like the kind of guy that you, you want to respect and you want to, and you want to play for now in a whole different light, obviously Ron Gardner, he was kind of like that lovable, you know, not as serious and, and that can work too sometimes, you know, uh, but in a way where, you know, he was a good manager for the time being. And I think it was a good thing for them to kind of mutually agree to part ways. Obviously, I wasn't sure what was going on with Gardenhire's health, but who knows if that was the exact reason. But in the end, it is definitely the best thing that the Tigers could have done for themselves and also Hinch, you know, turning a new leaf, trying to forget some of the stuff that happened in the past while still using the resources and the ability that he's had so far throughout his uh, tenure and also use his connections to try and bring some, uh, some early success to towards the end of this quote-unquote rebuild. Right. There was, there was right, right at the beginning of that signing, uh, he brought along Chris Fetter, the pitching coach uh, at the University of Michigan. And we saw right off the bat that Hinch was hungry to uh, change the environment and change the culture of this team. And a little bit of uh, where I had some worry at first was, how would this team react to Hinch? Literally in the, the day-to-day, all those guys knowing that uh, you know the Astros went ahead and and cheated not only teams and and fans but the the careers of some young prospects and some young guys. Um, you know, and Hinch was at the helm of that. And I wondered, well, are these guys going to respect him? I understand like he's their new manager, and you have to. But I was worried about the relationships right off the bat. Uh, and then you would, you know, I'd, I'm always keeping up to date on Twitter and uh, reading on the new the. Uh, the Tigers beat reporters just, you know, that's how you get your updates these days. Uh, and, you know, he reached out to Boyd and he was speaking to Miggy. And it seemed like there, he was really trying to build a good relationship early on uh, in his tenure. But the thing is, is the Tigers right now are primarily uh, banking on this young talent that is so highly talked about. Uh, and we've seen glimpses of, we saw Casey Mize and Tarek Skubal uh, rise to the occasion. They got the call last season. Um, obviously, they drafted Spencer Torkelson and had a really good draft. Um, quietly, this team also made some really good moves over the winter, signing some veteran guys to one-year deals and spending, like, well, if you include the Robbie Grossman signing, roughly like $15, 16000000 million, but added on like five new guys to this team. Um, so with that being said, 
Spring training has taken its course. Who would have thought that as of today, the Tigers have the most wins in the Grapefruit League? Always seems like this is the case, Rich. I don't know about you, but it's like the Tigers are always so good in spring training. And that just means eh, so much sometimes, but also so little. Um, There is also that argument as to whether or not spring training stats actually matter. And I feel like I say that before spring training starts. It's like, don't look at what happens in spring training. Uh, It is what it is. It's not the regular season. And the starters don't even play a full game, right? It's... It's all just kind of up in the air. But then it's like you see some of these guys starting to produce, like Willie Castro, four extra base hits and two homers, and he's hitting the ball hard every at-bat. Akil Badu, who quietly was the the Tigers' uh, Rule 5 pick, and he's been having himself a bit of a season. So what what are your thoughts on spring training numbers and stats uh, and how some of these guys, if they're performing really well right off the bat or if they're really off to a slow start, what, is that, what does that mean to you? Uh, and, and how do you feel like that transitions into the regular season? Yeah, you kind of have to take it with a grain of salt. You know, obviously if certain guys are, are living up to expectation or exceeding expectation of what you thought they would be able to bring to the table is one thing. But as human beings and as athletes, you can't deny that, you know, you don't feel as much pressure, you know, when it comes to spring training, you're down there. Yes. You're trying to make a name for yourself and prove yourself. So for some of the younger guys, I can see them, you know, maybe having some of those nerves, but it's nowhere close to when you actually will be throwing on the Jersey up in Detroit, coming into Comerica park, there's going to be fans. There's going to be a bunch of noise around, not literal noise, but you know, buzz around the stadium in terms of, you know, we're excited for another year of baseball, just, with everything going on with COVID in the world, people are just excited for new sports and new things happening. And with some of these guys, I just think that comparing spring training to the regular season, it it will be different. I think that, yeah, I think it is a little bit easier in spring training because there's not as much pressure mounting on you because technically these games don't count. But at the same time, you do have to take into consideration that don't look at the numbers, just look at the eye test. And you can see that some of these guys really do have the potential and the ability. Like you mentioned, some of those names. I mean, Tariq Skubal, just the other day, he was cruising at 94, and he topped out at 96 a couple of times. You got, like you said, Akil Bedu. You got Isaac, or Isaac Paredes, uh, Willie Castro, and then two guys that I'm really excited to see. They haven't had his crazy amount of playing time, but between Spencer Torkelson and Riley Green, I'm really hoping that we can see some of those guys this year, pending everything that happens with minor league baseball and hopefully less restriction and all that good stuff. But either way, I'm really excited for some of these young standouts to uh, start getting more playing time for the Tigers as uh, hopefully the season goes on. Yeah. Spring training is, is way more relaxed. Have you ever been, have you ever gotten the chance to go to Lakeland? Unfortunately, no, but I'm definitely uh wanting to uh, you have though right yeah i went uh i went in 2012 i think it was like the first year we signed fielder that spring i went it was a good year to go uh and then i was in arizona last year literally right around this time uh and i saw a cub, the cubs and the brewers play i think and then i saw um the the angels played um and, and that, that was, I mean, it's, it's, it's a, a really, really cool environment, environment because it's so much more relaxed. And a lot of what you see, too, is, and I, I love this edition of baseball, and it seems like more and more 
uh, over the years and in the primetime games on a Saturday night or Sunday night baseball, they mic players up. And in spring training, they've done this. I just saw the other day. I thought it was so cool. Um, Whit Merrifield, they were, the Royals were playing the Dodgers, and he literally had an AirPods and was facing Kershaw. Yeah, and I thought, wow, like, this, this is, is so crazy. crazy. Like, you're, you're watching Whit Merrifield, who, don't get me wrong, he's a great baseball, baseball player, but you're facing one of the greatest pitchers of all time, one of the best Dodger pitchers of all time, one of the best lefties in, in Clayton Kershaw. And you are witnessing what this man is thinking uh, in the batter's box. And I, I love that aspect of baseball. Because, because and they, they can, can do it in spring, spring training, training because it's not like it doesn't matter. It still does. These guys are getting in their reps, and it's you know you're getting back to the groove things and, and working on this, uh, getting back in the schedule. Which, by the way, I was listening to 971 the other day, and they mentioned they said something like like da 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 thirty game season. Like spring training is like a thirty game season. I was like, wow, spring training season is half of what the MLB regular season was last year. In my opinion, in my opinion, it's part of the reason yeah. why the Dodgers were able to pull it off because in a 162-game season, a lot of those guys didn't stay healthy, mainly Clayton Kershaw. You give him a third of those games, he's going to do pretty well, and obviously, you know, the success comes with it. And, you know, just, I mean, the Nationals, you know, they, they were a team that just, they were good, but they weren't expectant to do anything in terms of winning anything like that. And it's just, just it was a weird year. And it's just, I mean, it's, it's been, it's been a weird time, but I'm happy that things are finally starting to come back to somewhat of a normalcy. It is what it is. Like you say, you take it with a grain of salt. Um, in terms of how these guys are doing in spring training and what will those numbers look like heading into the regular season. Um, something that does stand out to me, Rich, is if you can recall, last season the Tigers played the Yankees, uh, faced Garrett Cole in his like first or second outing as a Yankee, and we roughed him up. I think Miggy hit two homers off him. I mean, we made him look like he was not worth the $300-plus million pitcher that he is. We did the same thing this season just a couple weeks ago. We roughed him up again. So it's just it's funny how you see these sort of patterns um, in the <clears throat> the seasons that guys have during spring training. You know, some some guys get off to hot starts. And I remember the first – there's nothing like when you see the highlights again when spring training starts up and you're watching guys just play catch. And, like, that that does it for me. Just, like, hearing the pop of a mitt – and it's the middle of February, like, that's great. Uh, I, I believe it was the first game, it was like the first game of the season, it was the Cardinals and the Nationals. And Josh Bell, who just got traded to the Nats, was facing Flaherty and was late on two of his fat. And he wasn't late. I mean, he was, like, dusted late on a fastball. And that is just a sign of, that's rust, you know? That's a guy who hasn't, especially being on the Pirates, I mean, that's a guy who hasn't seen... Uh, a live at bat and who knows how long. So it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's getting rid of that, that rust and, um, and for so many guys just trying to, to build back off of injuries and really get to where they were at one point. I look at Jacoby Jones, who and I know we're going to talk a little bit about him later, but Jones is one of those guys who's had such a good, uh, he's looked so good at so many times for the Tigers and then 
boom, it's just a crushing blow because he gets injured and that's it. Um, so it's, you know, it's, it's a good opportunity for these guys to get back and, uh, get into the swing of things. Now, what I wonder, Rich, is if you ask me, this pitching rotation right now is 100% not solidified. Uh, I believe there's only two spots that are quote-unquote locked. Um, you have Matt Boyd and you have Spencer Turnbull, and that's it. And there's plenty of other options that A.J. Hinch and the Tigers have because obviously you got three more guys left in that rotation. There was talk about adding a six-man rotation um, but I, what do you think between, especially between Mize and Scooble, uh, do you see both of those guys getting the call? Do you see only one of them? What are your thoughts? Well, I mean, and, and you hit it, you hit it on the head there talking about the six man rotation. I don't think it would be the worst thing for this team, for this organization, simply because of the fact that no, we're not going to be winning the world series this year. And you combine that with all you want to see all of these guys be able to develop and it's hard when you have so many that you have to choose from. Between Mize, Manning, Fulmer, Perez, Boyd, Turnbull, Norris, I mean, I mean, maybe you don't throw Norris in there, but between the rest of those guys, they still have so much to prove in different, for different reasons. Obviously, all the hype around Casey Mize, Matt Manning, but then you got guys like Fulmer. And, and it's just, it's just, I mean... Homer's a Homer's kind of a, a unique scenario. He came off of the Tommy John. He had a bunch of expectation coming into it, but he seems like he's gotten a lot healthier. I'm hoping that he can still do something where even if, you know, at some point, say he has a really good season, but we have so much pitching talent coming up that maybe somebody asked for something for him. But in terms of some of the younger guys between Mize and Manning, I'm hoping that Mize, I mean, I think Scoobles going to be in the rotation 100% in my opinion just with how he's been able to be. Um, but when it comes to Mize and Manning specifically, I would really like to see them kind of turn it up a notch towards the end of spring training so they can, of course, you know, find their way into the rotation and kind of stay there at a consistent basis uh, once the regular season is there. But in terms of Boyd and Turnbull, who knows what we're going to see. We saw what happened with Boyd last year. You can throw out any excuse you want, but plain and simple, he got absolutely shelled last year compared to what he had done the year beforehand which seemed to be a pretty good season right I mean there was there was talks about uh during his his seat the season I believe that was 2019 the 2019 season Boyd was one of the best pitchers in the American League um the Yankees wanted him there's a lot of talks about teams that were really interested in him and the Tigers stayed pat and at the time I was comfortable with that move because I believe all right well we got a stud and Boyd, a lefty who's not going to blow up the radar guns, but he's got crazy movement on his pitches, really good off-speed, and we know what happened last season. And granted, it was a shortened 60-game season. It's a a small sample size, but it was this consistent, every time he went out there, every fifth day, he was getting hit hard. He wasn't really striking guys out. I, I remember that stretch where I think it was, if not from the first start, the second start where he had three or four outings in a row where he gave up at least not a leadoff home run back-to-back home runs to start off games. And it was just like, how is it happening again? How is he this unlucky? How is he throwing the ball right down the heart of the plate? He's got to change up something. And it just, it, it, one thing fell to another and it just, you didn't think it could get any worse. And yet the next outing, there it was 
another one, another home run. It just felt like, I mean, I felt like I could be in his shoes and I would just sit there and be like, how, how, what kind of break can I get here? It's just, you know, he's a good guy. You know, he works hard. He does a bunch of foundations outside of the sport and you just root for a guy like that because he's such a good person, because he does so many great things. And because of how he started his career off with us, where, like you said, teams are wanting to trade for him for a good pitcher on a bad team. And yeah, looking back at it now, you definitely wish that maybe you were able to get a, maybe a couple of top uh, offensive products for him in terms of prospects because we have so much pitching coming up throughout the next couple of years from all the picks and all the trades that we've gotten and accumulated. Right, right. I I, I fully agree with you. you Matt Boyd has uh, quietly become the, the leader and, and captain alongside Miggy of this team, had such a great season and just couldn't put the pieces together. He was getting wrecked every outing and you wonder, well, how could a guy go from one of the best pitchers in the American League to just, I mean, I don't want to say garbage because, like, we know the potential that Boyd has, and we've seen <laughs> we've seen him look really, really good at times. Uh, spring training, I mean, he pitched against the Yankees a couple days ago, and granted, it was a couple innings, but his stuff looked better. Uh, and you just you hope that he can have somewhat of a better season. Obviously, the new addition of Chris Fetter, you know, I'm not that knowledgeable in the department of, well, what exactly can he do? You know, can he specifically take Matt Boyd's season uh, and pitching potential back to what it was in 2019? You know, I, I don't know. That's yet to be determined. Um, and we'll see how, how Hinch kind of handles this whole thing, too, um, because we know how on, ironically and coincidentally good the Tigers' bullpen was uh, last year. Usually that's not the case. I mean, if you look over the years, the Tigers, when they were that uh, perennial American League team, uh, that starting rotation was by far the best. Uh, it's still looking at it now on paper, that rotation was so good, but the bullpen was just, ugh, it was nothing special. It wasn't great. Uh, and now that is kind of flip-flopped. You got a bullpen that's actually pretty solid and a starting rotation that is all over the place. Um, you know, you mentioned Scooble who I like a lot, um, just a lengthy lefty. He had that really good outing against the Twins last season. Um, there's a lot of potential for him, and obviously he is a young guy, so he's going to go through you know, some ups and downs. Casey Mize, though, um, his command has just been strangely tough. Uh, he's pitched four innings this spring. He's given up six walks, struck out, struck out four batters, um, his second season at Auburn, he only walked nine guys in 83 innings, which is crazy. And he's even said, like, you know, I don't know what is going on with the command. And his stuff is still there. The movement's great on that splitter. Arguably, that could be one of the best pitchers, pitches in baseball uh, over the next decade is the Casey Mize splitter. But his fastball's hit lively, hitting 96, 97 on the radar gun, but he can't seem to get his command in shape. And unfortunately for him, uh, if he doesn't figure that out soon, at least this spring, it's definitely going to be hard for him to get the call right out of camp and, and make this team and make this rotation. Yeah, I remember before uh, spring training was getting going, I read something about A.J. Hinch talking to some of the young guys, you know, mainly Scooble and Mize and Manning, talking to them about, you know, hey, understand that absolutely nothing is set in stone. Absolutely nothing is guaranteed. You're going to have to work for your spot. You're going to have to earn it every single day. 
And uh, a couple days ago, an, another article, uh, Scooble himself, A.J. Hinch speaking on him, just how he wants to – Tariq's the kind of guy that always wants to succeed, and you want to have that kind of bulldog mentality, but try not to win the World Series with one pitch kind of thing when you're talking at an extreme level. He's He's got to be able to slow the game down, be able to try and take it a pitch at a time, an at-bat at a time, and be able to not try and win each game with each pitch because he's just going to have to slow the game down and – uh, he's got because he, he's definitely got the stuff, you know. Obviously, a young guy as he matures, he'll he'll get better. But I truthfully think, after everything that we've seen over the last 365 days or so, I do feel like I have more faith in Scooble compared to Mize. But with all those expectations, you know, a first pick overall, everything that he had going, it's just it's something where if you don't live up to the hype, it's a disappointment. Even if you're still doing average or above average. You, you you expect him to be wiped out every single game, every single pitch, and when you're not doing all those things, you start to question and you start to think, oh no, is 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 this happening? Where you know we 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 take a chance on this guy who seemed like a guarantee, and now all of a sudden he's not. But obviously, it's still too early to tell. Hopefully, you know, Mize can uh, keep his control under control, if you will, and really be you know hopefully, in my opinion, the number four on the team I think he could be behind Scooble I you know in a perfect world yeah Boyd and Turnbull if they can just stay consistent and throw strikes and not give up seven runs a game keep it somewhat of a a game every time they come out there give a good five six innings let the bullpen kind of do their thing after that I really do think between Mize and Boyd I'm not really too worried about Scooble as much in terms of control because you know he's got the control he's just going to kind of grow into his body and grow into his mind when it comes to more experience but when it comes to Boyd I really think that how he does alongside Turnbull will make the difference in how many wins this team ends up having towards the end of the season I know uh, I was checking the other day about what the over-under was uh because obviously betting's a big thing now in the state of Michigan, but I saw that the over-under for the Tigers' wins this year was about 69-and-a-half, and I truthfully think that they'll be under 69-and-a-half wins or over 69-and-a-half wins simply based on how the top two guys in the rotation do because they'll kind of set the tone for and the mood because you go out there, you've got guys that can't throw strikes or they give up home runs. It just takes all the juice, all the momentum out of the game for everybody else and then it could lead to a downward spiral of everyone else not doing as well just because of, you know, there's all the hype at the beginning of the season. This is going to be a great year. And then all of a sudden, Matt Boy comes out and gives up six home runs in his first couple of outings, and it's like, okay, here we go again. And obviously with A.J. Hinch, a new manager, he's going to have a different mindset. He's going to have that, you know, come to work every day, like business approach. Let's let's have fun, but, you know, we're here to work hard. We're here to improve, and we're here to try and make a name for ourselves out of this rebuild that he doesn't like talking about. And it's going to be interesting to watch. And, and hopefully for Tigers fans, uh, it's something that will get better as the season goes on instead of kind of how it went last year as it got worse and worse. I like what you say there about the number of team, the number of wins that this team is going to have depends on the top two guys in that rotation in Turnbull and Boyd. Uh, at the same time, because I do agree with that, but if you look at this team offensively and what they bring to the table, I know that... Uh, they brought back Jonathan Scope, which is a great signing. Hopefully, Robbie Grossman uh, brings a little bit of production to this lineup. Uh, and then there is the potential for uh, the, these these late these these call ups. Uh, I I doubt Torkelson's going to get the call based on so far what we've seen. He's still 
uh, is a young guy. I think believe he's like what twenty twenty one. Same with Riley Green. Um, I'm just happy that they got a can over, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, oh, I I did hear about that. Yep. He I you know I didn't know he signed something crazy. It was like a eight million being the first uh, pick in the draft. It was like eight million bucks or something was his signing bonus. A lot of uh, what comes from this this lineup, I believe, could determine a, a healthy Miguel Cabrera. And I feel like every at the beginning of every season, always in spring training, someone's always like, Miggy's in the best shape of his life. He's in the best shape of his life. Yep. <laughs> like, if I had a dollar for every time that we heard that, we would be rich. Rich. Uh, <laughs> so, I just... I know he's getting up there in age. I get it. And we know what the the, the OG Miguel Cabrera is capable of doing. Uh, arguably, he was pretty healthy in that 60-game season last year, but that's a small sample size. You got 100-plus more games to be played. How healthy can Miguel Cabrera be? I know that uh, AJ Hinch talked about he wants to see more time from Miggy at first base this season, which I love because I believe that Miguel Cabrera being in the role that he was primarily under garden hire was he was the DH and as the DH if you're struggling at the plate or you're in a slump you want that opportunity to go out in the field and make up for it because you have that chance but as the DH for Cabrera struggling you strike out and you go back to the bench and you're stuck sitting there until you get another at bat thinking okay well what did I do wrong why was I tardy or why did I swing at that one pitch you're stuck there and it's a mind game and it's a mental game. But now I love how Hinch is saying we want more time for Miggy at first base. And it's not just because, you know, he's getting old and he shouldn't be playing first because he's going to be stretching. And he could tear a, a hammy or pull this or pull that. It's, it's not about that. I believe it's that decision. What went into that decision is the thought of he needs more time to, uh, to breathe mentally and get that opportunity where if you are struggling at the plate, you can go out in the field and make up for it defensively. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, uh, as the good old saying goes, a body in motion stays in motion. And it, it, when you're, when you're a DH, it, 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 you're just, you're just, you're just swinging. You're, you're not actually feeling like you're playing baseball. Like you said, you go up to the plate, you have what happens and then you come back, whether it's after a home run or strikeout or anything in between, and you go back there and you sit on the bench, and the only thing you can do outside of that to try and work on your game and get better is to go downstairs and go swing some more in the cage. But, you know, Miggy's been around the block long enough to where, you know, he doesn't need to work on his form or anything like that. He just needs to stay healthy because he's one of the best hitters to ever live, at least right-handed stakes. I mean, we, we talked about it in the past, the milestones that he's hopefully going to be able to reach this year. It's his 19th season. He's 37 going on 38. He's going to be 38 to start the season. He's only 13 home runs shy of 500. 134 hits shy of 3,000. He's eight hits shy of Babe Ruth and seven home runs shy of Lou Gehrig. I think all of those, maybe outside of the 3,000, I mean, hopefully in a perfect world, if he can stay healthy for the whole season, play, you know, 90% of these games, I feel like he could accomplish all of those feats. The hits uh, of 3,000, now that's obviously the hardest one, but between the 13 home runs, the eight hits to Ty Babe, the seven home runs to Ty Garrick. I feel like all of those are attainable for him. It just comes down to being able to stay healthy, and I do think the approach of having him, you know, play more defensively is going to keep his body moving and grooving to where it doesn't sit long, it doesn't get stiff, because at that age, he and he's not, like we always say, he's not the skinniest guy out there. When you have a body type like that and you have too much time where you're inactive, 
It's going to riddle the bones. It's going to hurt the muscles. It's not going to be good for business. And so this approach of, of trying to have him play more, some people might say, I don't know, he's starting to get up there. Compare him to David Ortiz, you know, where he's, he's going to be better if he focused, stays focused on just hitting. He's going to be a great hitter. But I truthfully think that having him, you know, be all, an all-around player, it'll help him in the long run of, of staying consistent and keeping his head in the game instead of, you know, being distracted on the bench. Now, obviously, Miggy's one of those guys to where he can turn his attention – with the flip of the switch, he's as serious as he can be at some point in time. And obviously we've all seen the kid in him, but you kind of got to have that good balance between the two and comparing it to having a good balance of being able to play in the field and also hit. I think it's going to be a better season for Miggy if he can stay healthy. Well, you would, you would hope that Miggy can stay healthy. And I say that every season uh, and as do most Tigers fans and most fans of the game of baseball, because right now you look at uh, Albert Pujols, he announced a couple of weeks ago that there's, it's likely that he's going to retire at the end of the season. And for me, I've always thought, well, you know what? This day is going to come where Cabrera calls it quits uh, and retires and hangs up the, the cleats. And it's coming sooner than later. And the numbers show it and his age and just everything about him shows that. And if we can get a I'd love to, I'd love to see it at least 20 homers from Miggy this season. If he can hit at least 20 homers... Uh, you know, somewhere in like the, the 80 to, to 100 would be awesome. RBIs uh, and, and bat roughly, you know, 285. That's some production that we haven't seen from Miggy in some time. And if Miggy can stay healthy and put up numbers like that, when you have the over-under on 69 and a half wins, I think that over hits. Uh, and we're not going to see anything crazy, nowhere near the 80 win range. Um, but if you look at the, the American League Central as a whole, um, and we saw what uh, the White Sox have been doing. They've been spending all this money quietly. The Royals, too, are uh, a lot of people are talking about the Royals. Um, very similar stages in terms of the young talent that they have um, and the rebuilding process that they've been in. But to have Miguel Cabrera produce and show us just a glimpse of what he used to be and what we know that he can do would really help this team and push this team in a direction that we haven't seen in some time. Yeah, it's uh, definitely always easier of a rebuild in terms uh, when you got a ring to show for it. Uh, when talking about Kansas City, it hurts a little bit more here going uh, one and eight in our tenure watching the Tigers in the World Series over the last uh, 15 years or so. But it's just uh, it's something that we're going to have to try and keep the faith on and, and, and hope for the best. Obviously, uh, hope is not a strategy, but you gotta you gotta trust in in the moves that have been made between the hiring of the new coach and some of these players that we brought in. I know at some point you want to touch on that as well, but uh, it's going to be an interesting year. Definitely different from uh, the last couple of years past, to where we start we turn the new leaf. You know, it's a it's a whole new world out there. You know, post not post COVID, but hopefully getting towards the, uh, the the end of it. But it's just it, long story short, you can't take any day for granted, whether it's in life or in sports and. And you just got to take every day as is, looking at the bigger picture and, and go to work every day like, like it is your last, you know, not necessarily health-wise, but just, I mean, like you said, like Jacoby Jones, you know, people getting major injuries. You, you never know when it is your time that, you know, the cleats are going to have to get hung up. I remember uh, hearing about how Miggy wants to be a part of this team when they start to turn the tide again. And he's, like we said, going to be 38 this season. I don't know. I don't know if he's going to be able to pull any Tom Brady-esque moves, you know, going into his forties and staying healthy. But if somehow, some way we can 
keep him as the DH, you know, down the road with all these new guys coming up and still have him be a part of it and somehow, some way get him a ring in one of his last years, even if he's not playing every day, it would it would really be a nice uh, come to fruition, if you will. Yeah, not only that, but I don't know if you know this, uh, Verlander is going to be a free agent at the end of this season. Obviously, he's going through some Tommy John surgery right now. Um, there is the potential for a reunion in Detroit, not only a reunion in Detroit, but a AJ Hinch reunion, uh, and Verlander too, obviously getting up there in age, but for the longest time, those two guys, Miggy and JV were the face of the Tigers, uh, for what has felt like, you know, a a decade, uh, and for that potential reunion to happen, uh, and there's been slight, slight talk about it. I, I did read a, a free press article a couple months back talking about that potential reunion, but wouldn't that be something else if the Tigers finally are turning things around and you have A.J. Hinch at the helm of all this and uh, Miguel Cabrera could be somehow producing <laughs> and you bring back Verlander, who uh, you never know about guys when they return from Tommy John surgery. Sometimes they throw harder and, and they're better than what they were. You look at a guy like Strasburg. Um, and sometimes they just it, it doesn't really click for them. So it'll be I'm curious to see what Verlander, what type of pitcher he's going to be when he returns. Um, and and that potential reunion in Detroit would be really cool. Um, lastly, here, Rich, I, I did want to talk about some of these additions that the Tigers went out uh, and got, which honestly I'm a huge fan of. Uh, Wilson Ramos, Nomar Mazara, Jose Urena, Urena, uh, I believe. And uh, Julio Tehran, obviously they signed Robbie Grossman. Uh, they gave him two years, $10 million. This is the first multi-year deal that the Tigers have given a free agent uh, since J-Up back in 2016, I believe. Uh, and Grossman, a switch hitter, brings a lot of uh, defensive talent to this outfield. But we have several guys um, that have been with this team, some longer than others, that are just lingering and... I look at a guy like Christian Stewart. Uh, Victor Reyes had a really good season. Uh, definitely produced more than he has in the years past. Um, but Christian Stewart, there's always all this talk about him in terms of him and his bat and the power that he brings for such a little guy. Uh, we just haven't seen it in Detroit. It hasn't been evident. His strikeouts are through the roof. He does not produce. And we've just been sitting on him for far too long, if you ask me. Uh, you also look at uh, Jamer Candelario, who does he have a future in Detroit? I don't know. He's still a young guy, but there is this, at the end of the day, this talent that is just waiting uh, in the shadows with Torkelson um, and, you want, and Paredes, and you wonder, well, if he has a really good season this year, Candelario, you know, do we trade him? Do we make that decision? Or will it haunt us like a potential uh, Matt Boyd from two years ago, you know, for as good as a season he was having, and we just sat put? Um, you know, what are what is going to happen in terms of potential trades? Um, because we added Mazzara. So you have, like, these guys that, yes, we gave them one-year deals. I get that. Um, but is does that give light? Uh, for Jacoby Jones and Christian Stewart to to say goodbye and and you know go try it out with a new team and see if they fit in there. I mean, what what can we expect in terms of is it just going to be a, the same thing between those three guys out in the outfield or now with this new outfield you have Mazzara, 
uh, and Grossman and left, and probably Jacoby Jones, I believe, is going to stick around. But I don't know, Rich. What do you think? Because we've we've seen it before, and we've made these additions. What can we expect? Yeah, I mean, in years past, you know, you always try to get a little bit excited about certain guys who are kind of, you know, on the cusp of trying to figure out exactly which direction of, of success that they'll go in years past with some of these one-year signings that the Tigers have had. But this year, it kind of does feel a little bit different. I mean, you're telling me, between some of the names that we've mentioned, you got Grossman, Ramos, Scope, Mazzara, Urena. Between those guys right there, I mean, that's a list to where you would hope at least half of them have, if not moderate, better than moderate success for us this year. And you can at least get something for them because all of them play different positions for the most part. You got a couple of uh, infielders, you got an outfielder, you got a pitcher, a catcher, you know, you got a lot of opportunity to where if some of these guys pan out to what they could be at their fullest for the amount of money that we're getting them for, I mean, we all know what Wilson Ramos had done prior to his ACL tear. I believe it was an ACL tear that he had uh, back when he was in Tampa. He was one of the best hitting catchers in the MLB. And I'm pretty sure we signed him for like 1.2 million or 2.1 million for a year, which in the grand scheme of things is, is, is chump change for a guy who can swing a bat like that and also be a catcher. Cause in all honesty, I don't think we'll ever see Jake Rogers, uh, in my opinion, be successful at the major league level. He just strikes out too much. And between Ramos, Scope, Mazzara, Urena, Grossman, hopefully we can at least ship off a couple of those guys for some kind of return. I don't care who it is, but there's going to be teams at the deadline where they're saying, yep, we need something like this. We'll give whatever it takes, you know, to an extent, to a certain level um, to try and keep their uh, postseason hopes alive. And then in a whole different light and a whole different conversation, you have a list of guys like Candelario, Nico Grudrum, Jacoby Jones, Kristen Stewart. I don't think Victor Reyes is much in this light. I think Victor Reyes has been able to somewhat prove himself a little bit more than the rest of those guys in terms of uh, offense, at least. Candelario, you have two different sides that we've seen of him. We've seen him at his worst, and I don't know if it's been his best, you know, a little bit last year, but we saw him when he was hitting consistently. And there are tons of questions with these guys. And like you mentioned, all these young prospects coming in at different positions, they're starting to hit that point of, of time where, okay, if I don't do enough this year, I'm going to get replaced. And maybe that's the push that has these guys kind of turn it up a notch and, and be less, um, or, or be more aggressive, if you will, and, and hopefully with more aggressiveness, it leads to, to better numbers. And at least in the same conversation, you know, we hope a couple of those guys pan out and, and can stay on the team because if they don't, if they stay at the same level that they've been at, they're, they're not going to be able to stick around long enough with all the talent coming up in the organization. I hear you, and I, I fully agree. I think between some of these guys that we, we gave these little chump change deals to, there is going to be production. Wilson Ramos arguably is well between Ramos and Mazzara. I would say those are the best signings in terms of uh, little risk, you know, high reward. Just because we, I know we know what Ramos is capable of, and and Mazzara. I mean, he had a he had a really down year last season offensively. I think he only had like one home run. Um, but for some guys, sometimes it's just all they need is a change of scenery and boom, they take off. No more Mazzara could hit 30 home runs for the Tigers this year and would bring uh, it would be reminiscent of the the outfield that was filled with 
uh, Cassianos and, and JD Martinez guys that really could produce offensively. Um, we haven't seen a Tigers outfield that has been really productive at the plate, uh, in some time. So if he could, uh, you know, produce like he used to and exactly. Yeah. Uh, and you, you look to it, uh, in certain cases where it's like a team sort of gave up on a player or just didn't really believe in them. I look at Eugenio Suarez a couple seasons ago, the Tigers. I mean, he wasn't really much of anything. In fact, we traded him for Alfredo Simon, who <laughs> gave us what a year and a half of, of mediocrity and of, of nothing. And Eugenio Suarez has been this perennial third baseman who can hit the crap out of the ball. Uh, I would love to see that be the case with Nomar Mazzara and, He's, I mean, big dude. He had a really good year, uh, really good seasons with the Rangers. Um, went to the White Sox, just really wasn't, you know, feeling it. And I believe that, hey, like a guy like that could really make a huge change um, to this lineup. I don't remember the last time the Tigers had a winner where they went out and brought in this many new faces to this team. Uh, and granted, these are one-year deals, and we didn't spend a lot of money on them. And <laughs> that is benefits us more than anything else. It's not like we, uh, you know, brought in Mike Pelfrey or something. Like, I don't know if you remember that deal, but it was like a two year, like, like Zimmerman. Exactly. Like I, th- I think we've definitely gotten Avila's definitely gotten smarter and made, uh, better moves in the last couple of years, um, in terms of the, the market. And at the end of the day, it's not like you need to spend tens of millions of dollars on a guy, uh, to completely change your team around. And granted the Tigers are not, at all anywhere near that stage just yet um could be the case in a couple years but rich i don't know man you you hope to see some good things from the tigers this season so far uh on paper they've made some good moves and you hope that some of these young guys in the system can live up to the hype and live up to the name and if that's the case then this detroit tigers team this franchise is going to be a team to watch uh, for the next several years. That is for sure. Without a doubt, man. Really excited for the upcoming season. It's it definitely feeling different from years past. Hopefully turning a new leaf uh, into somewhat of success. And like you said, those, uh, those, those guys on those short contracts, hopefully they'll be the ones that produce the most so we can get more talent out of it. But at the same time, we really want to see some of these young guys uh, stay consistent like they have, especially at the plate. Really excited for what uh, Paredes and Castro, Scooble, what they can do. I'm really, really excited to see what Scooble can do up at the, hopefully towards the top of the rotation halfway through the uh, through the season based on his progress and unfortunately assuming maybe some regress from Turnbull and Boyd. But in the end, you'd rather have the young guys do well than maybe some of the older guys do well, just because those are the guys that are going to be in the organization, almost a guarantee, at least you hope so. And especially with how, how early that you got some of these guys, especially with Mize, you know, that's going to be a big question looming. Hopefully Manning can uh, force his way up there as well. He's going to have to put a lot of work in also, but again, it's a lot of expectation for some of these young guys. We'll see if, uh, if that gets to their heads at all, but Hopefully they can uh, can keep a good head on their shoulders because that's where it all starts. The game's, you know, 90% mental, 10% physical, what they always used to say. So we'll hopefully uh, be seeing some some progress in the terms of uh, the win column coming into this year and, and abolish that whole rebuild statement that A.J. Hinch uh, is definitely not a fan of. Yep, yep. You, I, you could not have said that any better. I'm really excited to see what Hinch is going to bring 
uh, to this team in his first season. You know, you can't expect a whole lot of change, at least this year, but, you know, hopefully within the next, by next season, at least uh, some of these young guys have really taken uh, in the next step and you can't expect to see, uh, you know, Matt Manning and Spencer Torkelson and Riley Green get the call right away just because there's some highly uh, talented names and some highly talented prospects that you're obviously really excited to see and, and, and watch them play in Detroit every day. Um, but their time's going to come. And for now, I think we have to be just a little bit more patient uh, and it's really going to pay off. We've been pretty patient as Detroit fan, Detroit sports fans in general. So a little bit more patience, I guess, uh, won't hurt if in the end it, it makes uh, makes out for the best. So hoping that, yep, it's a long journey, but in the end, hopefully it'll be for the best. And it seems as if with the last couple of moves that Avila has been able to make, finally starting to see that uh, transition into what hopefully will be winning baseball in Detroit in the next two to three years in terms of above 500 or so. All right, Rich. Well, uh, thanks for hopping on today and uh, taking the time to talk a little bit of the Tigers with me. And, uh, you know, who who knows? Who knows? Maybe we'll be in a booth together again soon. But for now, we'll just have to sit in our respected homes and watch the Tigers hopefully play some good baseball over the next couple seasons. Long story short, just happy that it's, uh, it's the best time of the year. You got March Madness and you got baseball starting up. It's, it's definitely, without a doubt, my favorite time of the year. So no matter what happens in terms of the numbers and the success, I'm, I'm, I'm happy either way that finally baseball is back.